What I want to do today is offer you a word of encouragement. Uh, but I'm going to start, first of all, by reading God's word together. So I'm going to read from Matthew 5, the first 10 or 11 verses of Matthew 5. So join me in listening to God's word. It's Matthew 5. Now, when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on a mountainside and he sat down. His disciples came to him and began to teach them. And Jesus said to them, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called the children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness for my name's sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice, be glad. Because great is your reward in heaven, for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before me. This is the word of the Lord. So this morning, as I said, I want to offer you a word of encouragement. Um, I want to encourage you to continue serving and living faithfully for Jesus Christ, as you've been doing as a young congregation and encounter. But I want to encourage you as a church, because the last two and a half years with the pandemic, it's been hard. So I, I just want to, from my little vantage point as a leader in the Canada Covenant, I just want to say, keep doing what you're doing. You're doing good work. That's what I hear. So I, I just want to encourage you that God is with you, and God is going to continue to use you to touch people's lives for Christ but I also want to encourage us individually, because the last couple years have also been hard personally. And I, I don't know your story of the challenges over the last two and a half years, but I can imagine there have been some twists and turns, as they were, as they were for me. But maybe my word of encouragement is, is particularly focused this way. I've come to believe now, after a long, long time, I've come to that place where I now believe that I do a disservice to people that are under my care, under my pastoring, or under my teaching if I give them the impression that following Jesus is easy. It's not. The demands of discipleship are real. And I, th I think sometimes we just need to hear a word of encouragement. <laughs> so that's, that's my hope today is that the demands of discipleship, e even, you know, in the midst of pandemic, put that aside, but just in general, following Christ can be quite challenging. But here's the beautiful part of this discipleship thing that we're called into. It does demand everything when we say yes to Christ. We can't get around its multiple impacts. But the beautiful paradox is that following Jesus through cross-bearing action leads to a profound sense of being blessed. Let me say that again. Following Jesus 
through cross-bearing action in the world leads to this sense of being blessed or a sense of flourishing. This is where the, this, this text for me situates itself and where how I see this now as a word of encouragement. So the text that I just read, I'm not going to go into it, but it, it's part of the Sermon on the Mount. It's called the Beatitudes. These eight statements, paradoxical statements. So Jesus is in front of his disciples, and he's got a crowd gathering around him. And in the Gospel of Matthew, he, he does this several times, Matthew tells us. He sits people down and he starts to teach them. So he's, he's teaching them, but, but what he's doing in this context is he's giving them a vision of what it looks like to be the people of God. So these blessed descriptions, these paradoxical statements, are, are a little way where Jesus says, okay, if, if you're going to follow me, here's what I need. I need, I need you to know this. I need, to know, I need you to know that even though you feel like you are broken down or persecuted, even though you've been humbled by life, even though it's not going well, you're not very far from the favor of God. So all of these statements that <clears throat> blessed are you if you're persecuted, blessed are the meek, blessed are the poor in spirit, they seem like, well, how is this possible? So this, this word of encouragement and teaching that Jesus gives kind of flips the world, our world, upside down. But this is the joy of following Christ, that even in the hardest places, even the most demanding aspects of discipleship doesn't put us out, outside of the favor of God. It actually puts us closer to God. So this is this little word of blessed. Blessed are, eight times, blessed are you. Blessing is, is both a feeling and an action. And the one I want to look at with you this morning is, of all of these blessing statements, I want to look at just one. That's all we have time for. <laughs> I don't want to be in Eddie's basement all morning. So anyway, we're just going to look at, Blessed are the merciful, for they will receive mercy. This is the one beatitude that's sort of balanced. Blessed are the merciful, they will show mercy. They will be shown mercy. I love that. Blessed are those who care for others. You yourself will be cared for. Jesus is describing a life built on God's design for human flourishing. We flourish when we are merciful. I want to unpack that a little bit with you this morning, to be merciful. So how are we doing? When you think about mercy in your own life, showing it and receiving it, how is it going? I've thought a lot about that as I got ready this week. If you've ever wondered how the church could wake up the world to the reality of God, if you've ever wondered how could you wake up a colleague to the beauty of the love of Jesus, I'm going to offer you food for thought, and that is to be merciful. Maybe especially in our time is to care for others. It's a powerful potential for an amazing witness 
is to be a community of people who actually live out this beatitude of mercy. When I was 19 years old, I fell asleep at the wheel of my car, driving uh, on an interstate in Montana. And in the middle of the night, as I fell asleep, I ran the car, my, our car, my uh, girlfriend, Sony, who's now my wife, she was sleeping in the seat beside me. And we went at 60 miles an hour, this is the United States, by the way, we, <laughs> we went, you know, that's 100, 110 kilometers an hour. We went into the back of a parked vehicle on the side of the road. It was, it was horrible. The next day I woke up in the hospital I had no idea what had happened. All I knew is I was in bandages, I had had stitches, but Sony, Sony would spend two weeks unconscious in the, in the IC unit in a hospital in Butte, Montana. And I'm thinking, as a young man, right, what did I do? What harm did I cause? And her father, I, f I found out her father was on his way and I remember to this day with a deep, powerful <laughs> memory. You can imagine what the father of Sony would say. Can you imagine all the things that he might say to this young 19-year-old that was dating his daughter? Well, he came around the corner of the curtain in the room that I was in, in the hospital. He could have said a hundred different things, but here's what Wally said. The first words out of his mouth were, Rob, I love you, and I forgive you, and everything's going to be okay. Wow. That impact of that act of mercy still to this day impacts my life. You see, mercy is a powerful act that's resonant and consistent with who Jesus is. Many scholars think that these bad beatitudes are simply Jesus telling people who he is. He's painting a self-portrait. And he says, if you want to follow me, it's a beautiful adventure, but it is a demanding adventure that following Christ requires of us. So let's dig, dig down just a little bit more into this little statement, blessed are the merciful for they will be shown mercy. You'll notice first of all that it's other focused. Being merciful is to act in a certain kind of way towards somebody else. Rebecca Eklund, a professor of theology, who's actually a covenant pastor, wrote, I, I think, a, a fantastic book on the Beatitudes, sort of a historical theological perspective on this collection of sayings. But she says, when you look at mercy in the New Testament, in fact, all of the test, both Testaments, old and new, there's three things that really kind of stand out to her around this little world of mercy. One is, mercy is helping others. So the, uh, in particular, with, with financial gifts and, and, and food gifts. That's the biblical kind of mercy. The second thing is, is that mercy is forgiving those who offend us. A demand of the discipleship, huh? The third is welcoming the outsider. So we have, this, we have this theme in the Bible. I mean, it shows up in Proverbs, for example, Proverbs 14. Blessed is the one who is kind to the needy. So this is the backdrop. So the first part, <clears throat> mercy is, 
is showing compassionate through acts of, of, of provision and care. You have Acts 4. Remember, the Holy Spirit comes on the early church, and what does it say? They had everything in common, and uh, nobody went without need. They were providing food, money, and care. That's mercy, to be people of mercy. And all the way through the scriptures and all the way through the church, we have this invitation to have our life as disciples of Jesus, have a, uh, our life be consistent with this picture of Jesus by offering care and, and, and support to those who are in need. So that's the first part of mercy. The second is forgiving the uh, offender. You'll, you'll remember at the, the beginning of the Lord's Prayer is what? Father, forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. That's mercy. To, now, this is not easy <laughs> I, it, I, I, at all. It, it's very challenging. It's a complex action to forgive the offender, especially if they've hurt us. But again, this is the beautiful demand of, 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 of Christ that results in this sense of being blessed. But then the third part of mercy is welcoming the outsider. This is, this is the part of mercy that opens up our heart and our homes and our life to those who are out on the margins. Jesus says that we are to make room in our life for others. That the welcome that we have is to be wide. The merciful give no heed to the opinions of others, especially as we move toward welcoming those who don't fit in into our life. We have a welcome as disciples of Christ, and that welcome is really, really wide. So that's the first part of this beatitude. Blessed are the merciful, all right? They offer provision and care in tangible ways. They it instinctively forgive the offenders, and then they welcome all in the world into their life. That is a compelling witness. But the second part of this beatitude is a little bit challenging. The second part says, for they will be shown mercy. You'll notice that there's a link, a link between being merciful and being shown mercy. This is the unsettling part for me. Well, you know, uh, think Scrooge, okay? You know, remember Christmas story, the Scrooge? You, you could say it this way. Unmerciful people tend to have few friends. That's my experience. Unmerciful people tend not to have a whole lot of people around them. There is, there is something that's isolating when you have this sense of, of being unmerciful. People don't like that, so they don't hang out with them. So there's a connection between being merciful and receiving mercy from other people. But even more that this text is unsettling for me, is there, do you think, a connection between God's mercy toward us and whether we show mercy toward others? I'm going to let you think about that for a while. I'm not going to unpack that very much right now. But there is a connection in this beatitude between being merciful and receiving the mercy of God. They're connected. Another part of the Bible, you know, Jesus says, woe, <laughs> woe, woe to the unmerciful. There's a reason for that. 
Or another way to think about this second part of the beatitude is to say, failure to be merciful exposes the falsity of our faith in a merciful God. A failure to be merciful exposes the falsehood of our true belief in a merciful God. They go together. So that's the beatitude. Blessed are the merciful, they will be shown mercy. Merciful. I like a, I like a metaphor, so I want to sh- end this way with, with offering you a metaphor for mercy. It comes out of the 1500s, okay? So Henrik Nichols uh, was a, a writer and a pastor way, way back in the history of the church. And when he talked about this beatitude, he said, mercy is stretching out our hand. Mercy is stretching out our hand to offer help and hope and compassion. I like that. To me, I can, I can remember that. I, 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 can, I can think about, is my life one where I open my hand to offer compassion and love? You know, one of the most famous parables of Jesus is the parable of mercy. It's out of Luke 10. It's the parable of the Good Samaritan. So you, the story, I'm not going to read it right now. The story is, there's, the question is, who's my neighbor? And then there's three people. There's a, there's a person who's been robbed and beat and is lying in, in, a, uh, in a ditch. And three people come along. Two are unmerciful. They walk around. They have nothing to do with, the, with this, uh, this person in need. But the third person, a Samaritan, who is a recipient of racist hatred, who doesn't fit the narrative of the time, Jesus says this person, a Samaritan, who's an outsider, actually is the one who, and the text is, stretches out his hand, and he offers the Samaritan, or sorry, he offers the, the, the person beat up, compassion. And he pays all his bills. And Jesus says, well, who's the neighbor? Well, it's the one who showed mercy. Stretching out our hand to those around us is the beautiful posture of being a person of mercy just like Christ. Public loyalty to Jesus, and this is again what I, it, it's a, there's so many benefits to, to our, our life with Christ. There's joy, there's healing, there's forgiveness, there's empowerment. But following Christ also has this demand side to it. But it's not like a demand that that has no fruit bearing to it. It's actually blessed. Blessed are those us, you, me, when we adopt the demand of being merciful, we end up feeling like we're blessed. That's the beautiful paradox of being people of mercy. So public loyalty to Jesus commits us to a public life of mercy. I grew up in Surrey, as I said earlier, and um, Green Timbers Covenant Church, it's still there. You can visit it. Uh, pastor Andy is a pastor there. I think uh, Pastor Eddie knows him. But way back in its history, Green Timbers was uh, burnt down twice, okay? It, it, it was a uh, recipient of two acts of, of, of arson. Well, the woman who burnt down the church suffered from mental illness. She heard voices, not her voices, voices to go and burn down a covenant church. 
that all through that episode over a couple years, as she struggled with mental illness through her incarceration and her release, this woman was a friend of my mother. And my mother would have her over for coffee. She loved her and cared for her. She went to visit her when she was in prison. That's just kind of who my mother is. And I will never forget another remarkable moment in my story that impacted me. That during those early weeks in the brand new church that stands on the property on 88th Avenue in Surrey, Green Timbers Covenant Church, we're in that building, it's brand new. It is exciting time in the history of the church. What I will never forget is my mother and this woman sitting side by side in worship together. That is stretching out our hand to be merciful. So encounter Covenant Church. Would you join me? You see, the good news of this text, and you might say, well, we're, it's, it's demanding, but the good news is this. The good news to everyone who is listening right now that we, we have been shown the mercy of Jesus. He has stretched out his hand to us in our situation. He has healed us. He has forgiven us. He has come along. He has noticed those places in our life when we have felt beaten and left on the side of the road. And he has stretched out his hand to each of us. And he has picked us up in love and in power. He has paid all of the bills of our life. And he does that. And he will do that. And he is this way towards us. And I wonder what it feels like just to get in touch with the joy again of the mercy of Jesus toward us. See, the good news is that though Jesus says, blessed are the merciful, he always moves first toward us in mercy. And being merciful is really just a normal response. And the good news is also as recipients of the, of, of the mercy of God, we can and we could feel the joy of get, this again right now. But he comes, as Jesus has done so many times in my life, he comes around the curtain of our life when we're sitting in our brokenness and the first words out of his mouth are never condemnation. They are, I love you. I forgive you, and with me, everything's going to be all right. You see, this is the one who is speaking to us. It's not just, it's not just words to a crowd. It's the very embodiment of the mercy of God in the person of Jesus who says, let me paint for you a picture of how to live in this world so you feel like you're flourishing, and part of that how do you live that way? Is to be merciful. So I wonder, I wonder with you and I wonder myself, to everyone this morning, what would it, be look, what would it look like to stretch out your hand? I'm going to end in prayer now. I'm going to end in silence and then I'll pray. And in the silence, I would invite you who is that person that you are feeling invited 
to stretch out your hand and be merciful to, toward. Let's pray in silence for a moment. Then I'll, I'll, I'll close. Jesus, I pray that you would again fill us with this beautiful truth of your mercy. And then we ask that you would work through us, that we might willingly, instinctively, lovingly, faithfully stretch out our hands to those around us to offer a compelling witness and window into who you are, O oh Christ, for the world. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.